Right, what's up everyone? This is Jordan again from the Undergraduate Survival Guide. Today we have a Corn Street Specialist, <laughs> Design <laughs> Studio, Design Specialist, uh, Adam. It's been a minute, man, since I've seen you. How are you, how are you doing? Um, bro, I'm blessed. I'm calm, man. Thanks for having me in, in this in this special podcast. Honestly, this is the, the first time where, where it's going to be um, no e-symbol on Apple Apple Podcasts. So. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I was showing in a new era But uh, how, What's the day today? Saturday how, Have you been uh, Like busy With Easter recently? Um, I mean not Busy busy Obviously mm. yesterday uh, Good Friday So I was at church And that was really Last time To be there mm. And Had some friends over Had some Some Chinese <laughs> um, And work Work is, I guess, slightly more busy because in Easter time, because you have two less days all the time. But Easter, Easter Monday and Good Friday is off. So mm. I, <laughs> on Friday and Thursday, uh, one of my my colleagues was like, "Okay, let's quickly finish this test before you know everyone has to go." So obviously, I went past five for a bit. But yeah, no, it's it's been it's a bit weird for me as well because it's my first year in working, so it's my first. Proper bank holiday, I think. Hmm. Aside from like Christmas, where I actually took some days off, but because you know, this time last year, this was this complete banter. Bank holiday means I still used to do my dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, is I'm it, enjoying. Hmm. Is it much different? Because obviously you're working in in a bank. What, what does it does it mean a different thing to have a bank holiday when working in a bank? Is it like triple pay or something? Or bro, I wish. <laughs> and yeah, no. Nah. Um, yeah, I guess because it's, but it's the original bank holiday. Mm. But there's no difference. It just means you don't work. Um, of course, people still work in the bank. Um, for example, I don't know if the emergency services, for example, they still need to work. But yeah, there's no triple pay. There's no double pay. <laughs> it's just single pay. Nightmare. Mm. But at least um, Actually It must be interesting This time of year uh, This year in particular Because it mm. coincides Perfectly with um, The new tax year Is mm. that anything in, in Where you are? Uh, not not specifically So I'm in the Mobile team From that West mm. So if you Anyone listening to the, to the Podcast You're going to see I guess I can This is not Confidential there's lots of um, changes that happen in the UI. Um, trying to, uh, one of our purposes for NatWest is to give the best digital experience for our customers. That's our goal for this year. Mm. So obviously that's always going to play a very big role in UI. Um, and well, when it comes to the financial year, obviously recently we released our our results, um, NatWest, and. Yeah, so we, we said that we're gonna, we had, we did report some bad loans that we did because of the pandemic. So even though it sounds, even though it sounds bad, it's actually better than we expected or anticipated. Um, so technically it's like saying <laughs> we only lost 2-0, even though we still <laughs> don't lose 6-0. <laughs> um, and things are, things are working out. So we even bought back some shares from the government as well recently because Matt West is, it's actually RBS, <clears throat> but we changed we changed our name from RBS and NatWest for better brand image. Because when people think of RBS, they usually just think of the financial crisis, <laughs> and then bad for the taxpayer, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, but that's good. We're under sixty percent from government ownership, but it's gonna be a while. <laughs> but you know, small steps, man. Small steps. Yeah, I hear that. Are you planning to to stick around for a while? Like, cause obviously, you got. A, we'll talk about your degree in a sec as well, but like, mm. I would have expected you and obviously Ash as well to work in like big tech, uh, someone like Apple, Google, Facebook, whatever. But obviously, the, yeah. maybe that was a plan. <laughs> yeah, but you still work in the tech team in a bank, so. Mm. Is it yeah, like good question. What you expected, I guess, or. So, yeah. We, me and Ashton definitely thought that we were going to work in the tech company because we're really interested in like interesting concepts, especially Ash. 
Mm. Um, but I guess this was the easy way in. <laughs> um, and will I stay? I guess the good thing about it is that people here know what they're talking about. Mm. There's lots of things to do. It's always a matter of interest. Does that the thing actually interest you? So for me, being in a mobile team is very interesting because it's very user or customer focused and I think it really aligns well with my interests because I, I do computer science but I'm also very interested in UI and design and art so and there are lots of other places because RBS is actually or NatWest is huge 60,000 plus employees there are so yeah. many areas in the bank that we can that we can move towards so like, I'm still trying to find those interesting areas myself and I've got some places that I want to move to in my natural rotations, um, God willing, if it can happen. But yeah, I think I might stay at least, it depends, for two or three years just to get my understanding a bit better when it comes to working in the corporate environment, working in the banking and financial services in particular, because I think that's quite useful. And what the aim is, I've always said to people, my aim is to go to work for a tech company because I always like to develop my my skills as much as I can. Mm. And I feel like a tech company is probably the best place to do that because you think of it in a diagram or in a mathematical way. If you're doing tech within a financial services company, it's a subset. The technology is just a subset of everything to mm. bring this financial service so it's always almost you could almost say it's limited it's debatable to be honest but hmm. I don't want I don't want to be limited in that for too long but being in such a big company as NatWest I think it's really good for my networking in a pandemic even I don't know how um, <laughs> um, people are networking right now but I've I just try my best to be honest to network as much as possible um if anyone is in that West, you can see, you've probably seen me a lot in our, in our Facebook page. So we have a Facebook, a work version of a Facebook page called Workplace. Mm. And I've tried to be as active on it as possible just to get that brand image and yeah, to just show yourself. And I guess use the grad card because when you're a grad, you know, people like to talk to you, like to help you. But when you get out of that, um, they kind of expect you to know it all in a weird sense. So, mm. but yeah, just trying to make use of my time as much as possible. How does it... Surely, obviously, once you finish as a grad, you're uh, no longer a grad, but you're still seen as junior, I'd imagine. Not junior, but you know what I mean? Like an analyst. You're not like instant year VP or nothing. No, not yet. <laughs> like, is that surely there are like more growth opportunities and stuff uh, that they offer for, I guess, more of a long-term progression? Or is that... Yeah, I think it depends on what on what you're doing. So in my grad scheme, I'm in software engineering. Yeah. And it definitely depends on what role. So you could be in a role where you just become an analyst and then you just be an analyst forever. <laughs> Or you could be in a role that has a very clear career progression. So if you were a general software engineer, you can become a senior software engineer. You can start doing scrum mastery roles. You can start um, <clears throat> looking at product owners, being a product owner. Um, hmm. So I think it depends on where you are in the business. Um, and I guess it also depends on how many people are in the team. In a weird way, even though NatWest is so big, there are, I could call it startups within NatWest. So there are small teams, very small teams where someone does a lot and a lot of work, which enables you to get those qualifications. Um, and then I guess have that easy career progression. But when you come to a very structured team, probably like NatWest Markets, for instance, oh, that's very structured. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it could be a bit more difficult. Madness. Hmm. It's still pretty, like, I guess fundamentally having a job right now is, is crazy, though. And having the, like, the fact that you can progress and do well there is a, it's fundamentally a good sign. Hmm. Is it easy to, because obviously you said you wanted to work in tech eventually, do you think it'll be easy to just switch 
out? Because I know people who are currently trying to apply from uh, across industries uh, and they, they're having a hard time because of lack of experience. Do you think that yeah. would be a thing, uh, moving across? Because obviously you're still working in tech, but it's not like the same uh, type of technology. This is a question I was thinking about in my last year, my third year of uni. Mm. Um, because I guess it depends on what the company, who the company is as well, because they can look at you and say, oh, you just worked in a bank. That's nothing like a tech company. So they could almost look at you in a negative way before they've even seen what, what you can do. Mm. However, I think technology is such a sector that is... Look, yeah, it, if no one, someone can get into Google without even having a computer science degree. Yeah. So if you, all you need to do really is to show that you're capable. So if you go sidestep all those people who just kind of have that opinion of you're ready because you worked in a bank, maybe did it for the money, maybe did it for the wrong reasons. I don't know. But there are many other companies and many other hiring managers, for instance, that we'll see that, okay, do you just, do you have what it takes basically to work? So I think it, that is definitely different when it comes to other, other industries. But when it comes to technology, for example, one of my managers, my placement manager, she did geography at mm. university and now she's an environment manager for cloud for AWS. So well, I mean, that's, I think that's a quite an excellent example. Yeah. As long as you have the capabilities, and you can. I didn't work for a tech company before, so <clears throat> I've had two internships um, in my in my university life. So the mm. first internship was money supermarket, and <laughs> someone said, "What what tech do they do?" Well, they have, they have a tech team, okay. And if you if you look at the website, someone has to run it, isn't it? And then to make it as efficient as possible, that's something that they were really focusing on. Um, but yeah, there are many of those people in the team didn't do a computer science degree either. Uh, they just did that on a design or something and then just kind of got into technology. And then coming into the team, you're like, wow, they know so much um, and they taught me so much. But also, even as a computer science in my second year, when I went to Money Supermarket, I was able to teach them some things as well because I know the theory. I know, I guess, the context behind a lot of things. Um, so... Hmm. So yeah, I guess in technology it's it's a different kettle of fish in in a good way. Yeah, I get you. I'm just looking at the uh, money supermarket website. It's actually way better now than I remember it being years ago. Mm. I'm not sure how much credit assigned to you in, as an individual, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you can assign some credit at least. Yeah, it's solid to be fair. But then I guess your your expertise is more um, back end and stuff, right? As as opposed to um, UI UX. I know we've kind of briefly had this conversation before, but it's not so much of the how things look as much as how well it runs. Yeah, I mean, with university, that's one of the things that they probably press on us the most. They don't really care about how it looks at all. It can look like the most ugly thing in the world. It's all about functionality and speed and efficiency and, and purpose and usefulness. Mm. So, yeah, but I, because, yeah, as, as I said before, I really do like art and design as well. I I do like the aspect of the front end, even though I'm not in the front end role right now. Um, I think it's still very important. I, but at the end of the day, it needs to work. It needs to work well. So you could say most of most of the money, especially with NatWest, is spent um, on on the skeleton part of 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 the code, so the back end or the middleware of AWS mm. um, with clouds. So yeah, and to be honest, it's the most fragile place as well. So we spend I can't even tell you how much money we spend in on in our mainframe in 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 NatWest. If you compare <laughs> if you compare NatWest to Monzo, for example, mm. you can see why there's a problem when it comes to NatWest trying to catch up with the technology that Monzo have because we have so much legacy infrastructure. It's reliable, it's quite durable and solid, 
However, it's not where it needs to be um, when it comes to creating new fit, new features at pace. So mm. Manzo doesn't really have that problem because it only started a couple of years ago. So Manzo have been kind of the catalyst, um, not for UI, but for really scalable and flexible backends that can create new services in an instant. So I think it's definitely a balancing act between the two. But one can always one of my mentors says that the real engineers are the the people who are in the back end. And I guess sometimes front end people can despise the back end people and vice versa. But I think they're both very important. And I'll give you another example. It's for the front end, for example, that's very crucial because how it looks, you're always trying to appease the customer and help the customer, right? Mm. If it doesn't look good, they're not going to use it. If they have a bad experience, they're not going to use it. For me, I and because I have such a care for things that are aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. And this, I'm going to just my own company right now, but I use Monzo <laughs> as my primary bank account. And I also have NetWest. I'm from HSBC. Um, so I have NetWest as my, I guess, my second current account. And I tried to use NetWest for some transactions um, the other day, maybe like a week ago or something. And I was just so frustrated by certain things I needed to do. For example, I actually forgot my PIN, embarrassingly enough, because I literally do not use NetWest that much. Nightmare. I forgot mine as well. Oh, really? So let me tell you what happens. If you want to get a PIN reminder, they send it to you through the posts. And I was completely... I was just so confused because I remember if I want to do it for Monzo, I'll open Monzo and yep. get a reminder. Two taps. It my face, my face ID, and that's it. Um, for example, another thing, changing your address. So as a student, you kind of do this a lot, right? So sometimes your building address is Corner Street, Bristol. Yeah. No, it's London. So I remember I was using Zipcar <laughs> and always <laughs> in Bristol and I came back. I think I came back. I think it was last year. I tried to quickly use Zipcar and I said, like, Oh, something's wrong. Like your billing address isn't right. I'm like, Oh, okay. It's my Bristol one. So I went to Monzo. Yeah. And just changed it back to my current address. It happened straight away. Put Zipcar. It worked instantly. So in a, in a, in a very tight situation, I was able to get the card that I needed. Now, just that West, I would have to wait days. Can you imagine? That's an example of why, um, yeah, the back-end services are really important. But then, again, that West are focused on trying to get a digital experience, trying to make things nice for the customer. Mm. And even my experience in that West app isn't, I wouldn't, some people say it's good, but I would say it has a lot of, a lot of legs um, to catch up on. But watch this space. Maybe in a couple of months, what I'm saying is completely reached the I know how the end product actually looks. I can't obviously show it. Yeah, but yes. it lo- it does look beautiful. I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll see. We'll see. That's nuts. To be fair, like I do, I've got both Monzo and NatWest as well, and I quite like the NatWest app. I, I agree that it's not as functional, but I don't know. It has a nicer feel to it, at least to me. Like sometimes when I'm scrolling down from my transactions a month, I'm like, oh, I've been scrolling for hours. That <laughs> what seems like it's more um, not efficient. That's the wrong word for it, but I don't know. More user friendly. It, it looks a bit nicer. Maybe because it's in dark yeah. mode instead of night mode. But I mean, that's one thing I need to credit NatWest for because we're the first high street brand, as far as I'm aware, that mm. actually used dark mode and. I know how to I I know how to do iOS development. I know how easy it is to do dark mode. I don't. <laughs> Isn't it just like changing a one to a zero or something? <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost like that. It's literally like a drag and drop thing. It's I don't know why months I haven't done it, and I guess it's a business decision. But I mean, in that West, they've even made lots of claims about it saving what saving energy because. If your phone's on dark mode, then it's not using as much resources, <laughs> naturally. Um, and then they've, I don't know how they calculated this, but we saved, I think, a couple of tons of carbon, apparently. 
mm. like customers transitioning to dark mode. So that's, I guess that's a nice thing. Um, <laughs> of course, it can be all marketing, to be honest, but. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all it always is, though. Marketing can do so much for you. It's actually funny because um, I saw a lot of like random campaigns. Obviously, um, two days ago was April Fool's Day. I was like, these guys invest so much money in, <laughs> in selling what they have to sell. I think I saw an ad from KFC. It's like, oh, the brand new, uh, brand new beef burger. I was like, yeah, you guys care way too much about, <laughs> about doing this. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I saw the same thing. For for a second, there, I was I was sold as well. I thought they were telling the truth. I was sold. Cause I, was, I don't know because you kind of for me I kind of forget oh it's April Fool's I'm just seeing beef burger I'm like oh are you trying to catch up with McDonald's or something <laughs> yeah, I was thinking yeah. how would a how would a KFC burger even how would it how would it even taste <laughs> so I, you know they captivated my interest but honestly yeah marketing yeah it's, it's crazy man what do do you have a because obviously obviously you don't work in marketing but I've always seen you as one of the more creative guys I know, like you're always using your camera, always making a uh, FIFA trailers for your <laughs> FIFA <laughs> tournaments. Like, I need to watch it. Trust me, it's exciting. It's nuts. It makes you want to buy the game every year. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I don't suppose you have any not not direct, but any like indirect input on like how things are how things are done in the business outside of your specific team. Hmm. I guess that's something that I would like to do mm. uh, in the future. I guess because of my current role as a graduate, yeah, um, maybe it's not much opportunities opportunities for that. Um, although there is there is something else actually because when we came to NatWest, there was something called the Graduate Challenge 2020. So mm. that was probably one of our only opportunities as graduates to try and change something in the bank. So the bank is very risk averse, um, as you know. I'm pretty sure every bank should be, apart from the, the neo banks like Starlink. Mm. So this challenge was basically well, it's two years of COVID nineteen and our CEO told us to come up with an innovative solution um to improve any process for our customers. So that's internal, external, so customers, colleagues, or communities, um, or even businesses to help them thrive. So those are all the graduates and some apprentices that came on um, in September or earlier. So that was basically the opportunity to pitch, look for inefficiencies within the bank, and then pitch a solution to them um, and try and, and try and get that over over the wall. So obviously I tried my best, um, networked with many people. Um, and if anything I've learned through that process is that the, many people are resistant to change. So we didn't win this competition. <laughs> okay. Even though we didn't win, we still, well, our, the sponsors or the judges or the panel still wanted to bring our idea, our idea forward. So I guess we didn't get the fanfare, but we got what we wanted. <laughs> yeah. So, but now as we're going through all the the following months, trying to, to I guess, bring this our solution to reality, I've seen that the bank is very resistant to change, and it's very hard to bring your ideas into into a new world of yeah, into their world essentially. Because it's always something that. Oh, because of this, that can't happen. Or because of that, that can't happen. Um, and there is an element of wisdom to that because we don't know the things that need to be done. Or we don't, or we don't know that process. Maybe they're right. But it's also, there needs to be some element of, let's see how, how we can change. So I think that's, it's good that our CEO has allowed us to do that. And I guess I should even say our CEO, Alison Rose, she was a former graduate <laughs> at RBS and she works up her oh. way. The CEO position. I thought you were say from Bristol. I was like, "Wow, man!" <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, she came as a as a as a graduate into into mm. RBS, and then, well, I think it took her maybe seventeen years. Wow! So see me in sixteen years, guys. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's definitely hard, especially in that size, a company with such big size. Mm. But 
I guess if anything that we learn is that businesses are always about change, right? So maybe in a t- two years, I could say something that influences something. But if anything, it won't be something big. It's 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 more likely to be small little things. Yeah, it's a shame you can't implement dark mode. You already done that, but <laughs> that'd be a dub. Nah, I hear that. That's quite interesting about the competition you mentioned. Like, I would have thought, surely if you win, if you don't win, they don't take your idea forward, and then vice versa. If you do win, they take your idea forward. Like, how do they? How how do they like what you did, but also not let you win? Um. So we got a scorecard back. To be honest, it wasn't really good feedback. It was quite generic. Mm. But I think it was maybe our solution wasn't as innovative and crazy and blue blue sky um, thinking as as the other ones and fair enough I guess the, the CEO told us in the first call try to think big no idea is a crazy idea so she wanted us to just be imaginative rather than maybe being a bit more practical but maybe that's also my influence as a computer science grad um, and a love of maths and other people in our team, we had another, I think, computer science grad as well, um, VR, and then some people in change of business solutions, a BA. Um, so we're, we're quite a practical team. So we even had like architecture diagrams, this is how the system is going to work, and other teams were just general. We thought we were completely going to win. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. Advertising our idea the day before to get lots of coverage on our Facebook work, our Facebook page on in our internal Facebook page. We got the most likes. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why I'm here in the podcast bragging about likes, but we got 149, <laughs> 149 likes. And usually, if something gets that much, usually the CEO that said something. So I think I tell you, I take that as a big win. Mm. But yeah, I think that's probably just the reason, just because oh, those ideas seemed a bit more outlandish. And the idea that won was actually quite a good idea. Um, okay. I don't know if when it's going to happen, but I guess the main thing we tried to focus on was the problem and mm. try and make it really apparent. So I think it was so apparent to them that it just had, they couldn't just leave it to the side, even though maybe that idea was really good. Um, they couldn't leave this one aside. And then another thing, even just to go on, is that the brief was either for our customers or our colleagues or businesses or communities. Being, well, NatWest are really focused on customers. If you come to NatWest, if you even apply to NatWest, that's one of the things. If you want to apply to NatWest, please, you need to give your answers to show that you care about serving customers well. That's one of our core values. <clears throat> so I can say that's maybe one of the biases that they had because the, the team that won had their solution was based on customers, on external customers like you and me. Um, and our one just based on internal employees. So even though they said, oh, our internal customers are as important as our external customers, <laughs> you can be the judge. Yeah, I guess it's easier to market market as a new yeah. product if it's for external customers instead of employees because like it doesn't really mean as much to you guys. But if you're trying to win like market share, well, I don't know what your metrics are, but yeah, that, that's interesting. Though. You should try to try and get um, NatWest to implement the game you made in in third year. That was sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man sometimes I think about that so just to fill in guys who are listening so in my so I did a master the integrated master so I was in Bristol for four years and I wouldn't do it again <laughs> uh, I would not do it again not to say that it wasn't good um, it was a very good experience but it was intense I would say it was a tough time mm. but yeah it's like I don't know would Usain Bolt do his 100 meters again? I don't know. Like, he's tired, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, he's run the race and don't need to do it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Once you finish, you finish. So I don't know why you're restarting the game. 
<laughs> so, yeah, so in the Integrated Masters for Computer Science in Bristol, I don't know how it is now because of Corona, but you usually have a games project. So you, you have a team of six people in the MEng, and you literally just have to make a game. And it has to be, well, it needs to be fun, which is quite interesting because I know before I was really saying Bristol really focused on functionality and things mm-hmm. that are really efficient. They're kind of new subjects as a Russell Group University is, but yeah, it needed to be fun. It needed to be good user experience. It needed to be playable and, and then have those innovative technologies as well. So we made a virtual reality game. Um, and not just a virtual reality. It was a virtual reality wave based multiplayer <laughs> game. Yeah. So <clears throat> that involved at least two technologies. Virtual reality, which is obviously a buzzword. We didn't really want to do it because, you know, it's so, it's so, it's such a buzzword that we didn't really, weren't really that interested in it, but we thought it'd still be good to do it anyway. Mm. And then the tech technology would, Oh, networking. So how do you actually send the data and have people in the same same room and interact with each other? And then we had a third technology, which is additional, just to get us more bonus points. Um, that was motion capture. So we got an exoskeleton on and started recording some animations um, for, our, for the game. Mm. And it was... That was the hardest thing in university, I think. The hardest project. Really? I think it was hard my dissertation. Yeah, I really think it was. Uh, I think if you ask anyone in our team, they may, I think most of them would say the same thing. It was difficult. Because it's not, virtuality is, it's not new, it's relatively new. Mm. And when it comes to doing lots of programming, you need to have good documentation. Now, because it was relatively new or hasn't been here for 20, 30 years, the documentation wasn't great. So we had to do a lot of grinding ourselves. Um, so imagine the virtuality part, lot of documentation, and then networking the virtuality, even less documentation. Wow. Yeah, no, I get that. It was difficult, but I'm pleased to say that it was a success. Um, and we got the second highest in our cohort. Ooh. So we got, got a first class. Um, Ash was very sad because he was initially in our team, but he got kicked out because there was too many people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he went to do another game. Um, that game was cool, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a game. I can't lie. Um, <laughs> and, but it's also funny you say that, Jordan, because Nat West have actually that was I've actually put an app, a game on the app store. I'm actually trying to remember what it's called. I think it's called Digital Saver. Oh, wow. Let me take a look. Is or it something? Oh, was it? Let me take a look. I haven't, well, I don't have an Android phone, so I have no idea. <laughs> um, let me check. So you actually made an app, and it's kind of, I think it's called Island Saver. Let me check in as we speak. <laughs> Island Saver. Yeah, it's called Island Saver. And it's got, well, it's basically got five stars. And it's actually apparently a really fun game. Um, I think it's meant to help you learn how to save, apparently. <laughs> I don't know why. And if you let, if you had the developer, National Westminster Bank. So maybe it's actually a good shout. People virtually and then become an internet sensation. And it, it's only got 10k downloads on um, Android, so. Oh, really? Mm, 4.1 ratings. 4.1 okay, stars. So the Apple people like it a bit more. And yeah, the iPhone, check them out of downloads, it has, I don't know why. <laughs> Someone's reviews are quite funny. <laughs> That's nuts, though. Yeah, so, <laughs> watch this face. Uh, <laughs> literally, yeah. Like, I, I know you said that that coursework was, like, your most challenging, but would you say it was most rewarding as well? Do you, have you ever yeah, thought yeah. about balancing like reward, rewarding, rewardingness <laughs> versus how challenging it is? Yeah, I think if I look at my my whole degree, I think that was the most important time for me. 
one of the things I really struggled in the first year was confidence. Um, confidence in programming because I'm just so new at it. And I guess coming from my neighborhood in London, in South London, there's always that competitiveness that you have. So like, maybe not in primary school, <laughs> but in secondary school, oh, okay, you need to like, try and get as much A's or A stars as you can, A star to C, always beating it down your neck if you want to make it to a good sixth form. Okay, you do that. Then the sixth form, you don't want to end up at South Bank. <laughs> That's how my sixth form was. You need to really <laughs> make sure you get to uni. Obviously, you're, you're not competing now with just your peers, but you're competing with people across the world to get into your university. And by God's grace, I did that. And then, now, okay, now you need to compete with all these people here. And then it just, it just became long. But I think that that project was definitely the best because for one weird way, it was the first, I think it was probably the first project, team project that I did without Ash. Mm. And him, him for me as well. So. Is that why you got the highest grade from that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if he's listening to this, but. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it was just really good for me to work independently. Um, because there were certain tasks that I could, that I had to do by myself, for instance, because it's such a big, it was just so much things to do, mm. um, in the game. You just had to work and just figure things out yourself. Kind of like a, it was kind of like a startup company that we had. And I think going through that experience probably increased my confidence much, much more. I think this project and then my internship, um, the year before with Money Supermarket, were integral, I think, for my development to see where I am today. Mm. Um, and I think, but there is a difference between difficulty and, yeah, rewardness. <laughs> because I can think of other projects which were, oh, I don't know, like another coursework, if I should listen to this, or anyone in Bristol, um, mm. computer science, machine learning. <clears throat> oh, man. That sounds awful. Machine learning, the course with Carl Eck machine learning in third year. <laughs> it's always third year, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> First term. This was the hardest. That was ridiculous in terms of content. And if anyone knows me, I can be a bit stubborn. So when I came to university, I said, ah, oh, I'm going to go to all my lectures. You know what I mean? And I, cal- I calculated, I think I said, it's £72 a day, so you make sure you go to all your lectures because it's 9k a year. And so I, did, I actually went to all my lectures. In the first year, I only missed one lecture. Mad. Anyway, second year, I basically did the same thing again. Third year, <laughs> it went to week four. And then me and Ash were like, okay, we've got a coursework machine learning coming up. It's, we're getting swamped. I literally stopped going to every single lecture. Every single lecture, every single lab, and just did machine learning for the next four weeks. Mad. And so we just literally willingly went behind everything else, like everything else, just did machine learning. It was very intense. And think about it, I was also applying to applying to internships as well. Mm. So I was applying to RBS. Um, Ash was applying to City, um, which he got. And. Yes. Yeah, it's, there's a balance because even if I think, if I consider it now, I learned much more in the, the games project than the machine learning one because I think there has to be some sort of practical learning aspects. I did learn a lot about machine learning, Gaussian emission models or lots of other buzzwords, linear regression, but mm. it was so concept, conceptual and mathematical that it didn't, I guess, it's kind of useless now, almost. Um, so there is definitely a balance, but I'm not I'm not a program director to know how to make that balance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. Because, I, I mean, I've never studied um, ML, but it seems like there's so much, so much maths, so much data. Yeah. Like, you can't really use it for anything else. I mean, obviously, like, AI is a similar type of thing, but... Mm. I can't understand how you, where else you'd use that. 
that sort of uh, content, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's it is very complicated, man. Uh, when when people being in tech, it's I think it's kind of fun because lots of people always have a general understanding of technology, and I mean a vague understanding of technology. Yeah. So when they say, "Oh, I want to do some machine learning," you know, <laughs> okay, do you like maths? <laughs> do you like stats? <laughs> no, I don't like that. I thought it was going to be some cool data stuff. Oh no. It's so much math, there's so much stats. Um, yeah, so it, it is quite, it's difficult. It is difficult. And yeah, I do, I wouldn't, maybe I'd like to go into machine learning in the future, but hmm. I guess it depends on what company I'm in, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like every, maybe not every, Banking, but in a lot of industries will have to start using ML at some point anyway. Like I can only That's imagine NatWest yeah. will start doing that. Oh, learn to save using our new machine learning app. <laughs> or mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it's, it's such a new technology that's got so much potential. Like I feel like anyone mm-hmm. like you right now who's in a tech position, you're kind of going to have to be, maybe not have to, but there'll be a push at some point to to figure out how it works. Yeah, yeah. I mean. We're having a banking awards, um, 2021 this year and NatWest have reached the final, <laughs> actually. Mad. Um, I don't know who we're with the final in, but so we have a digital assistant called Cora. So that is using, so this is what Ash did with his game. So they, they made, um, a natural language game. So you kind of, it was a, 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 a it was a detective game, and then you ask like I don't know the person questions. Mm. Is it I don't know who who was with Sally when the murder happened, and then the person will come back to you, give you information, and then you're able to find out the detective or find out the murderer, I should say. Yeah. So that's natural language. You're just able to talk. Um, it's kind of like Siri, so you, Siri is able to understand and able to reply, and. <clears throat> That's what Cora is, the chatbot. So they're able to ask it queries and then it's able to reply and help you without needing to go to the person. Saves us a lot of money, saves you a lot of time. Um, and obviously that does incorporate some machine learning because you need to, well, I guess learn <laughs> how to talk to someone, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's definitely something that banks need to be doing. Um, but not doing it for doing sake. You need to do it in the right context. So this is a very good application. Um, mm. But yeah, learning how to save, if you find a perfect algorithm for someone, that's going to make you a lot of money. Honestly, I'll see what I can do. Yeah? <laughs> no, don't that, worry, I'll, I'll hire you. <laughs> That'll be the UGSG investment arm in the future. Don't worry, it's coming. Come and watch this space, guys. Make sure you hit subscribe. Word. <laughs> stream, stream it everywhere. I don't even know what what the language is on Spotify. You can follow, but I don't know what what you can do in Apple. Like leave a five star review or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah you can do an Apple. Don't worry. Apple Podcasts. Leave a five star review. Write a review. If you're on Google Pod, I think, I think it's Google Podcasts. Mm. Do what you can. You know, if if you're anywhere else. Just do something for us. <laughs> yeah, worst case, I'll just put your PayPal in the description. People can... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. That's nuts, though. I want to ask, like, because we've kind of gone around, like, uni and stuff, but I've always been curious, uh, for you in particular, um, as you know, a strong Christian, and, like, your specific experiences in uni, like... Yeah. Uh... How did you, I don't know, I don't know how to ask this, but I feel like first year for most people is like, oh, I'm going to go out clubbing, I'm going to go get drunk, I'm going to go do this and that. Uh, mm-hmm. What was your experience like, not just like, uh, you know, with, regarding peer pressure, but also your general experience, knowing that you, there were certain things that you just wouldn't do? Yeah, I think <laughs> that's a good question. Let me think about it for a couple of seconds, so I can think of a useful reply. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's better off breaking down into two questions, I guess. Like, how do you deal with peer pressure as one? And then mm. what's your interpretation of limiting experiences 
that's the second part of the question. Okay, cool. That does help. Yeah, okay. So, peer pressure. I think I've, when you, when I became a Christian, um, in 2013, just before year 11. So, I, that, that was probably the first challenge because you still have your, the general friends who aren't Christians who always want to do lots of other things mm. as well. And I guess I had to learn by experience. Um, I didn't really have any Christian friends at that time. Um, amongst my Christian friends I have now, I was like one of the first or second person to be saved. So it was, it was definitely difficult at the start and I did make a lot of mistakes. Um, things I should have been doing, but I just kind of did because I didn't know, I didn't know better as it were. But one thing that's been really important for me is being in my church and my church is very, well, I'd say it's very biblical and very, very honest to the, well, by preaching the Bible and what it says. And I think the Bible is very clear about the way Christians walk because there is, like, in, Jesus always spoke in lots of, yeah, contrasting parables. There's like, there are two roads. Um, there are two, there was, there's a house that built upon a rock and a house that built upon the sand. Mm. Um, so there's always this person or that person. And being in a church that always feeds you the word of God always helps you to remember who you are. Um, I think that's something I always need to remember. So there's lots of peer pressure. So even when I went to sixth form, there was even more peer pressure. Um, and then I, I guess I had to prepare myself for university. And coming to university, wow, I think it was mad. Because first, you don't, <laughs> I took a very pessimistic approach at the start. So I just wanted to pattern my degree and leave, not really come here to make friends. I was here to, uh, I said I was like on a, I was just doing a course. Um, away from home. I'm mad. <laughs> a course in Bristol rather than going to university. That's how I saw it. But then I also <laughs> thought that you can't, you can't really just be here by yourself. Mm. Um, so applications for friend requests, as it were, were not closed, but they were open and decided to start meeting people like you, meeting people like Ash, and better other guys. And I think it's just, for me, my devotions is really important. Just remember who I am and not compromise on that. Just having integrity. So I think that's how I'm able to navigate away from the peer pressure. And naturally, a Christian should be someone who stand by, stands by their convictions. So when it comes to partying, well, a Christian shouldn't really like um, things that are really worldly or things that are really contrary to the Bible. Mm. So that's, that always helps. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then the second question, what was the second question? Remind me. Ah, uh, like, what's your? How would you deal with like having potentially limiting uh, experiences? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, some people you say, oh, you're not having, maybe you're not having fun. You need to kind of, yeah, just kind of, yeah, make some friends have fun and enjoy, enjoy your university experience. Mm. I think that was something. If I look back, I think I did do it quite well by the grace of God. So, for example. Yeah. I do have a lot of friends in Bristol and I, I would talk to them and, and the Bible is very clear that, for example, there's a, there's a church in the Bible, um, and it's the Corinthian church, so a church in Corinth. And the city was very, very bad, let's just say, um, very profligate and, yeah, very immoral. Mm. And then Paul was saying to them that they should so someone actually committed a bad sin in the church. And Paul was saying, you separate yourself from that person. So it's excess discipline. And so they can repent and come back to the church in a proper way. Not to just kind of excuse the sin in the church because it needs to be dealt with. But then I think the Corinthians misunderstood that and started separating not just from believers who weren't acting as believers, but separating from people of the world. And then Paul's like, no, 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 I wasn't saying that. I was saying... You separate yourself from people who are believers and who aren't living as Christians. Because if you were to separate yourself from the world, you need to leave the world. You yeah. can't leave the world, can you? <laughs> exactly. So, Paul, I mean, what am I going to do? Go to Mars. There's always going to be so much 
I guess, wrong in the world, no matter what. So I think that's also good. There are some people who be quite extreme and say, oh, you can't do anything. I even live with someone who's not a Christian. I don't know why someone would say that. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think, I guess at the end of the day, it's by the grace of God that's able to do it. And yeah, not compromise on the things that I know, but still have meaningful conversations, have fun. But one thing that I think is very important is know your convictions before the time comes where you have to make a decision. So when you're pressured to make a decision, oh, should I go out today or should I not go out? Or should I come to this party or should I not come to this party? Mm. You should know what your standards are before that time comes so you know you're acting on, on your conscience. So you know, okay, I want to do this. So if no matter what happens, you have that integrity to make sure you do what you want to do. Mm. So I think that's something that I definitely put into practice. I hope, I hope, I hope that was true. Obviously, you're my flatmate for for a year in corn. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I was, I was I was consistent. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Like, I completely hear what you say as well. Like I didn't even think about it like that. Because um, I guess when you people that are prone to peer pressure. Uh, it's because they don't really know You know Someone says you want to do this They, don't, they haven't got a solid answer uh, And it's mm. easy to agree If your friends are trying to do something uh, mm-hmm. Whereas like As you say If you know in advance Like I'm not going to do this Because of these reasons No matter what happens You're not going to bend On your morals Because like, that's That's who you are Like you know I completely Completely agree with that Nice Yeah Yes so And yeah It's just a good principle For everyone to have In general Um the day that someone starts to, yeah, we should never give into peer pressure in general because a lot of damage can be done if someone can kind of manipulate a whole mass of people, kind of get some, someone to follow their agenda. Um, but if everyone stands in their morals and convictions, of course, if they're good convictions and morals, mm. that would always help society. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I guess because I was thinking a bit like um, my experience at, at uni, there was several times where I felt not like I was missing out per se, but maybe I didn't want to go to this or didn't want to go to that. Um, mm. And that limited some of my friendship groups, I guess, because you have less shared experiences. Uh, you know, people yeah. will be talking, even in Corn Street, you know, a lot of those guys will go <laughs> SWX a lot. Uh, yeah. There was a period in the year where you lot went gym a lot. I never really went to that. Uh huh. And you often feel like, oh, I can't really get involved in said conversation because I wasn't literally wasn't there. Uh, uh-huh. So I guess I was curious as to how that might have affected you as well. Maybe you didn't go to certain night, well, any nights out really, <laughs> um, and how the friend making process may is maybe different in that regard. Or I'm not sure what your thoughts are. Yeah, no, it's definitely yeah. The friend making process is very different. If someone's very focused on clubbing and just. Yeah, lots of worldly things. I would never want to be in that person's company because the Bible says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? That's a very good concept because you usually walk with people, we have some, some commonality, some commonality at least. Um, and lots of people have friendships based on small talk. Um, nothing much. Oh, okay, they go to my uni or oh, they do this. But there's something that you can, that you really love or love to talk about. Maybe it's football. Maybe it's politics. I don't know. Then mm. those are the times that you have that, that bonding time. You can actually develop your friendship. When it comes to clubbing and things like that, if those are the times where I can bond with you, well, those aren't really going to be the times where I bond with you because I don't, I don't do those things. Mm. So I guess it's almost like a filter, as it were. Um, yeah, so if someone was really focused on those things, I don't think it would be really good friends. We should have, this should be something else that we really love to talk or enjoy about. Otherwise, it's just going to be small talk. Oh, yeah, how are you doing? You're right, yeah, all right, in a bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. It makes sense. Like, I guess everyone everyone will have their own filters anyway. Like, people will have things they like and don't like in others. Yeah. Uh, it's never a bad thing to have an additional filter. Uh, it's just sentiment to like how much you know yourself, I guess, and how much you're willing to tolerate in other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that. Did you join um, 
the Christian society? Yeah, I actually did. And <laughs> this is a bit of an annoying one or a sad one because. So I did join the Christian society in first year. I went to one talk. Um, but it happened to be a missionary talk. So it was just like one of the weeks I happened to go do doing something else. Mm. Um, it was quite, yes, yeah, quite interesting. It's definitely different to my church because I go to a reformed church. So when it comes to like worship, um, we're very, I say we're very, um, focused on what the Bible says. So we don't really have lots of bands and drums and all that stuff. We just try not distract you from the worship. But anyway, that was different. But I didn't always want to go back because it's always good to be amongst other Christians. But I tell you, I literally did not have time. <laughs> it was always on the worst, like, it was always on a Thursday, I think, six to eight or something like that. Yeah. And I'd always have labs, like, I don't know, two to six. And I'd be done. I'd be finished. I'd have to do something after. And I tell you, third year and fourth year, I always tried to go back. And the time I decided, okay, I'm going to go. Boom. Couldn't go. Machine learning. <laughs> Machine learning. That, that's the culprit for, for third year. I'm telling you, and fourth year, uh, all the other modules, and then coronavirus. So, mm, yeah, yeah. No, I don't really. I couldn't even say or give you much of of uh, even a synopsis of the Christian network in in Bristol. Can't lie. Yeah, no, that's fair. But people always say like society, 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 they're the big thing. That's what you remember the most. But I don't know. I feel like everyone that I know, including you, never really, myself included as well, never really got overly involved in societies. And yeah, speaking for myself, I don't really feel like I've missed out. I'm not sure if you feel like you missed out on anything. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. When I when I was coming to uni, that was also that was also the narrative. Society. That's where. That's kind of like the heart of university. Mm. I was actually surprised to see, I thought I was going to see a lot of societies, but it wasn't actually that as much as I anticipated. And <laughs> another blocker was money. So lots of times if you want to attend an event, you have to pay. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm not doing that. Yeah. I think when it comes to the university experience, my university experience was Corn Street and Crown House. That was probably like 60% of my university experience. So just being around you guys. Um, of course, you have the actual vibes with your course mates as well. So we had our own little um, clique, as it were, in, mm. in computer science. But yeah, societies, I don't think I missed out. And yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> to be honest, I think I got what I wanted. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you've got a job now, like, uni's, as you said before, like, it's behind you, you finished it, then just go back. Don't need to restart the game. Honestly, I wonder, i got to speak to Sam next, actually, he's, he's the final computer scientist that I care about. <laughs> I always forget he's a computer, he, he doesn't really give... <laughs> I, I don't know, I think it's a Manchester accent, I just think, like... I don't know. This is, <laughs> no, this is how we're, we're definitely Londoners. Like, you can tell. Honestly. <laughs> oh man, London's the best. Though. Are you? Do you think you'll ever leave? Um, I've spoken about this with my close friends quite a lot. Mm. Um, the reason why I love London, it's not just because of, it's not just London. It's about what's in London. So, I've got. Basically, my whole childhood, my friends, my family lives in London, my mm. church is in London, um, and then London is a very convenient place. So when I went to Bristol, I wasn't pleasantly surprised um, to see that the bus was dead and there was no issue. <laughs> <car. laughs> yeah, twenty-minute waits. It was. It was so. We're spoiled to be in London, but come on, man. Like, Bristol's not that far from London. How come you can't just make a system that actually works properly? <laughs> Literally. TFB. Yeah. TFB. Where was TFB? Where's TFM for Manchester? Where's TF... Well, TFB again for Birmingham. I don't know where they are. Honestly. So, these guys need to fix up. Yeah, I, I think 
if lots of those things changed, let's say I somehow moved to a different church or um, lots of my family left or lots of my friends left, then there's less reason for me to be in London. I think one of the main reasons I'll probably want to never leave London is because of my church. Because I'm a member of my church and I've, I've grown up in my church. I love my church. And I serve and help there for the Lord. But <clears throat> if I was going to leave London, it'd have to be a similar-ish place. So I'm not going to go anywhere really in the UK. I think I'm just too used to the metro. Yeah, if Bristol for me was too quiet, I can tolerate it because I was there for uni and I was there for just a bit. Mm. Bristol was just a bit too small, too quiet. Um, I think Birmingham is probably well. I've been to Birmingham just for like a bit, couple. <laughs> I was going to Nottingham and it stopped in Birmingham, so I'd, and it had like an hour, so I just explored it and I kind of liked it for the little time I was there. Mm. But really and truly, maybe like LA, New York, so a place like that. Um, so you, you want to get shot because <laughs> <laughs> never, bro. I'm just, I think I'm just really used to the the busyness. Mm, no, I get and you. Something is just too too different to London. I just won't feel comfortable. But you never know what can happen. Like for example, marriage that can change anything. That can be that can be a big change changer. So watch the space. Watch the space. I'm I'm looking to go to Orlando actually, Florida this year. So, Matt, man, I hope, man, this this vaccine corona thing, it's looking very complicated. Um, the, all the rules, the money involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Having to quarantine and stuff. Yeah. So imagine, imagine going to Orlando and then quarantining for two weeks and coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and then back to the <laughs> just to smell the air of, of Florida. Like <laughs> well, we each plan to go there for yeah. Disneyland. It's just like vibes. For for Disneyland, for like like lots of like attractions. Mm. There's a very um, <clears throat> there's a good church there that I know. So the right. former pastor who passed away three years ago, his name is R.C. Sproul. Um, I love him so much. Like he's been. Very influential for me in my Christian walk, especially during university. Yeah. Um, so I always wanted to go and yeah, just visit the church and see his wife at least. That would be good. Yeah, it's, it's close as well. It's on the East Coast. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good weather. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> That's solid. That's on potatoes and. And hurricanes, maybe not hurricanes, hopefully not this time, but yeah, watch this space. I think any other state, I'd like to go to Cali, but mm. that's also very far, especially with the restrictions now. Florida is quite um, conservative, so <clears throat> yeah, so yeah. much restrictions, so that, that suits me. <laughs> that suits me, so I can have, I guess, a bit more fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd love to go to California, but also, like, it's so expensive. I'd go there for, like, a day, be- become instantly broke and have to come back. <laughs> I think it's just my detect. You need to go to the embassy <laughs> to bring you back. <laughs> Literally. It's just I love tech, man. Got to get in Silicon Valley one day. That's that's a good point as well. I haven't even thought about that. America is such a very different, in a weird way, it's very similar to the UK. But... Mm. Very, very different. Like, imagine having... I just thinking of the Apple campus, Apple Park. Wow, billions of dollars that cost a... Imagine that's... That's not going to be anywhere in the UK. Like, what? Like, I've been to Google's offices in in London. They're good, but... (laughs) (laughs) Bro, that's comparing, like... Bossman to... To Nando's, or even more, I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's because America is just so damn big. Like Silicon Valley is probably the same size as London, but obviously London's got like a residential area, like some tourist attractions, etc., etc. Whereas Silicon Valley, straight up, just just tech and uh, business parks and stuff. Imagine having a whole London just for like tech. Yeah, I mean, 
thing is London, I think, is one of the most unique cities as well because mm. it's the capital for fashion. It's the capital for finance. It's the capital for, yeah, for tech. It's the capital for history. It's just a capital. <laughs> um, but obviously it's not, it's not, it's not big like Silicon Valley. Um, <clears throat> so lots of things are very like condensed. Like this, like I think the best example is the city of London. Mm. It's just so much in a small place. Like the city of London is not even that big, but there's so many, so many things crammed in there. Yeah, no, that's true. It's quite congested. Not stone. Uh, that's essentially all the all the main questions I got for you, man. I'm not sure if anything you wanna and wanna add. Closing remarks. Hmm. I'm not surprised. Let me think. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm very thankful to be where I am at the moment. I mean, I think it's literally all by God's grace to think. Well, getting the RBS internship that was very difficult. I was able to have the best interview ever, best <laughs> group exercise. I remember that, <laughs> that group exercise because uh, we had to decide on one of the, yeah, just we had to decide on the decision. And they just, we had a vote, a quick vote, and they both voted against me. So there was three of us. Nightmare. And I turned out to be right. <laughs> so it backfired on them, but it just completely <laughs> made me look like a genius. Mm. And obviously I got the internship by God's grace. And then converted through the internship and now coronavirus comes in but because RBS is such a big organisation and then now NatWest I was able to have that secure position so safe my future so yeah I think everything really is truly by the grace of God and <clears throat> I would never be where I am without him so yeah 2021 this has been the most uncertain crazy year that anyone's ever been been to but yeah, as long as I have my God, I think I can go through anything. So yeah, I guess that's, I'll end on that. I'll end on that. Mm, I love it, man. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, it was great having you on, man. Wonderful chat. Episode two coming soon when we get that new, new NatWest app. Gosh, <laughs> bro. I'd love, I'd love to talk more about, about UI. Um, and digital experiences about for mobile because I'm actually learning how to do mobile development myself, mm. and yeah, it's a, it's a it's very it's very different to to normal development. But yeah, episode two coming out. Remember, guys, subscribe, give subscribe us a rating, five star review, star rating, give the six star, six <laughs> out of five. Make it make it away. <laughs> Honestly, make make a. I don't even know what to say anymore. I'm, I'm trying to think of what Google Podcast has for their their success metrics, but I don't know. Just hashtag UGSG somewhere on Twitter, and you know, we'll call it a day. <laughs>